0: Inaugural episode of the Blackstock Triangle and Arsenal podcast. Just four guys who looked at the incredibly crowded Arsenal podcast landscape and said, sure, why not? It reminds me of an early 2000s indie band called Minus the Bear, you may have heard of them, who had a song called Let's Play Guitar in a Five Guitar Band, and I feel like that's us. But anyway, thank you so much for giving us a listen, and we hope you enjoy the pod, and that you'll also give us a like, or a subscribe, or a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Sean Brown, and I'll be one of your hosts on the pod. We've got a great group of Arsenal fans who can't wait to share their thoughts and experiences with you, and we'll hear from them in just a few seconds. But we also want to create a real community here, so we want to hear from you as well. Please find us on Twitter. I'm not calling it X, sorry, at BlackstockPod. We're also planning to post some stuff on a YouTube channel, so hopefully you'll find us there as well. Let us take a couple of minutes here and introduce our hosts, the people that will be with us uh, for the Blackstock Triangle podcast. Uh, First up, we've got uh, Wassam. Wassam, how are you? I'm
1: doing well. How are you doing? Pretty, pretty good. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, Well, I'm uh, probably the the youngest Arsenal fan here. Uh, I I came during the Henri days, and then after that, Ben Percy. But yeah, I've been an Arsenal fan since then, and I'm looking forward to this new season.
0: Outstanding, outstanding. Uh, We've also got Mm -hmm. Alex with us. Alex, you are in Australia. It is 9.07 p.m. for you. How are you this evening?
2: I'm doing good, Sean. Thank you for having me
0: tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, uh, I've been an Arsenal fan since I was a kid, um, probably just after the honorary days, the, the, the sort of Emirates, the starting of the Emirates era. Um, and I have a family who live in the UK. I have a cousin that's over there who's, in, who's an Arsenal fan. And uh, yeah, that was where it first started for me. And I've been an Arsenal fan ever since.
0: Outstanding. And we also have Nelly with us. Nelly, how are you? I'm
3: quite all right, Sean. Thank you very much for having me.
0: No problem. Outstanding. How are you doing? And you're in the afternoon. We've got we've got our our time zones covered here. So Nelly, you're in London. How are you doing?
3: Uh, yeah, quite all right. Yes. Yeah, so I, yeah, I'm Nelly. I've been supporting Arsenal my whole life. Um, everyone who's from where I'm from supports Arsenal. My parents live very close to the Arsenal stadium still, and I'm uh, looking very much forward to the season after last season. I'm expecting good things.
0: Yeah, definitely. And finally, we actually have some season to talk about and not just preseason, not just our excitement. We can actually talk a little bit about results. That's what we're going to go into first. We're going to talk a little bit about Arsenal 2, Nottingham Forest 1, uh, some talking points to the, for the game. Just start with the lineup and the formation. Bit of an interesting one. I don't think most Arsenal fans would have pre- been able to predict that particular lineup, or at least not that particular iteration or that particular formation of that lineup. Uh, We had party starting at right back-ish, almost like a a three at the back, but with Ben White uh, as a center back instead of a right back. I know that they shifted during the game. I think probably 20 or 30 minutes in, we were back to seeing primarily Ben White doing the overlapping and the right back job. Uh, But Alex, what did you think of that lineup? And do you think that that's something that Mikel Arteta is just playing with? Do you think it's something he had planned all along? This is a much different game really than any of the preseason games that we played. We played mostly bigger teams in bigger type preseason games, as big as a preseason game can get. Uh, So what did you make of this lineup?
2: Yeah. um, I, I think Arteta's plan was probably he wanted to have an extra midfielder to fight against the low block. Um, he probably realized, especially after last season, when we went away to Nottingham Forest and lost 1-0, I think he's seen that and he's taken notes from that. Um, he probably predicted or at least tried to predict that Nottingham Forest would have a low block and that's exactly what they, they, they did. Um, we had, I think, something like almost 90% possession after the first half, which was crazy. Um, so I think the idea was to have Partey play a right back, but obviously in an offensive transition basically to have him play in the midfield much like how we do um, when we did have Zinchenko. The only difference is as well was that we had Durian Timber who was also kind of doing the same thing and that at some points although it looked like a, a back three uh, for large parts especially in the first half uh, there were there were occasions where we were playing with a back two um, it was pretty much Ben White and William Saliba and we we're having Durian Timber and and uh, Pate Partey was coming in midfield, and during Timber and I th- well kind of Odegaard were coming a bit more wider to try and take the space to to fill out the wide areas so that we could counteract the, the low block. So um, I think that was probably the main part. I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that it was Mikel Arteta experimenting. I, I largely because we saw at the end of last season on the back end. Uh, Partey played the last two games at right back. So I think this is something he's had in mind for when we come up against teams that are just looking to defend and not attack and maybe get us on the counter and get that one cheeky goal and get out of there with a 1-0 win. So I think that was kind of where he got it it from.
0: Yeah, interestingly enough, one of the the casualties of this particular starting lineup is that Big Gabby did not start. It's the first time that he hasn't started a game in which he was fit and Arteta had a chance to pick him. Nelly, what do you think that, did we? What did we lose with uh, Gabriel not starting uh, and is that something that you see being more prominent throughout the season and um, what do we lose with he, when he's out?
3: Well, I think it is something we'll see a bit more throughout the season. I think he'll play fewer games than he did last season. Um, you're right, he, does, he was first name on the team sheet for most of last season when fit. He was always picked. Uh, one thing I would say we lost possibly that the goal we did concede we wouldn't have conceded if uh, gabriel had been on the field when you see the goal back it, the player who scores is co- is half covered by trossard tracking back and the half covered by ben white and neither of them got to him it, if gabriel had been on the field and had been there instead of ben white who's presumably who'd have been there for uh, maybe that goal wouldn't have gone in but it does offer us particularly as alex said when teams at letters have possession it offers us an extra man in midfield. With Partey playing as a midfielder when we have the ball and right back when we didn't have the ball, we were able to uh, keep dominance of the possession and eventually pick them apart. The first half, apart from their one break-on into the penalty area, Nottingham Forest really didn't look like scoring. Arsenal had seven, eight chances in the first half, and that's because of overloading midfield with Partey. Uh, So I think we will see a bit less of Gabby uh, and maybe a bit more of the uh, inverted wing back
0: yeah not looked like scoring they really didn't look like having the ball for much of the first half uh we'll say that that 11 minute 11th minute chance that you're talking about brennan johnson in on goal off of a off of a second ball that was in the space that was sort of vacated in a space that would normally be patrolled by gabby maybe something to think about going forward oh, Osama, i want to come to you on this real quick uh two questions that it I want you to get to first do you feel like this worked uh and second is this something you feel like we're going to see again especially against low block teams we're expected to have 60 70 80 percent of the ball
1: i think for the first half it was actually a perfect strategy it, it worked amazingly um we had uh yeah like uh, like i said 90 percent of the ball the first half which is insane and we also got plenty of chances uh we had um The formation, I kept trying to look at it. I'm not sure how it worked out, but I know Hazard was patrolling wherever he wanted to. He was kind of floating in and out. And then you also had Partey and uh, Odegaard on the right, and then Timber on the left with Rice. And it looked really good. It really did. It looked like we were solid. We could do no wrong that first half. And then it started showing its cracks the second half, where I think people... I'm not sure if their fitness is, is not up to par just yet, but, um, uh, we looked a little tired and we kind of, uh, looked a little gassed around the 70th minute. So maybe then we should have maybe substituted Gabby in earlier, um, before we conceded that goal or, um, maybe substituted Trisardin earlier. So we, we retained possession up. uh, uh in the front rather than giving it away but tactically the first half was brilliant absolutely brilliant
0: yeah it's a good point we're going to come on the fitness and substitutions later uh some maybe surprising things uh from the substitution patterns in this game we'll take a look at uh certainly something that surprised me i think maybe i should have just been paying a little closer attention at the time um one of the things that that we can think about is how this formation would work uh, with Gabby Jesus up top instead of Eddie Nketia. Uh Were any of you surprised that Nkedia started at number nine in this game, as opposed to say Trussard?
2: Um, I wasn't really, I wasn't surprised necessarily. I thought, you know, he, considering he made him, uh, he made Nketiah captain, I think against Monaco, I was like, that kind of gave me an indication that he obviously Arteta does believe in him, but what I would say is my only concern with Nketiah, look, he's a great fox-in-the-box kind of striker. You know, he has, a, you know, he stays, and I saw a graph actually uh, during the halftime break that showed uh, the graph of where our players were most, uh, were mostly on the pitch basically. And Kedia was just on the edge of their, of, on um, Nottingham Forest defense the whole game. And I guess my concern is, Although he can score goals, does he bring anything else? Like, And I think that's just partly because of how involved Jesus is and how constantly he's just, if he's not scoring, he's coming deep, playing almost in a number 10 attacking midfield role and then, you know, pinging passes to Odegaard or, or it was Xhaka last season and uh, Martinelli-Saka when they're making inverted runs from the wings. You know, it, he just has that ability to not only score goals but also assist and I think that's kind of, Missing from Inquietia's play, uh, and that's something that I th- I felt like we were missing in the game. We had some great chances, but there were just certain times when I thought, although you know, Nketiah looks like scoring, and he did score, and you know, credit to him, there were just certain times in the game where you think he could just be doing, he could do, he could do a little bit more, uh, going in that sort of creative role, coming a bit deeper. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know. So yeah. Sorry, Wasam, you want to come in on that?
1: Yeah, I I think um, tactically, Arteta wanted him to do that just to stay on the edge of the box because I think he wanted to have his cake and eat it too with uh, Hazard because he was the one that would come in and like uh, do the things that like Jesus would would come deep and gather the ball while Enkedia would stay up. Um, I think that was a tactical play, uh, but I agree. It he he isn't as involved in the play as jesus so we didn't miss him there
0: it's a really it becomes an interesting way to try to evaluate a striker performance you say a striker's main job is to score goals eddie and Kedia had a goal eddie and Kedia did his job as a striker but it's a really interesting question because we do ask a lot of gabby jesus when he's in that role uh, that is more than just trying to score goals and the question becomes if your striker gets one goal a game Right. You think he's doing his job, but at the same time, if your team as a whole would have scored more with somebody else doing some facilitating in addition to taking on some of the scoring load, then maybe maybe you have a striker that doesn't necessarily fit your system. And of course, that becomes the real question. So Nelly, Mm. we ask a lot of our strikers in terms of uh, creating as well as finishing. And I did notice that that in Kedia in the second half, especially, I saw him, you know, out on the touchline a little more. I saw him, you know. Uh, coming back a little bit more in terms of trying to get possession. If that doesn't fit his game, Nelly, where, what do you see? Is is Enketia really the right second-choice striker for this team?
3: Uh, it's an interesting one for Arsenal in particular because we've got Florian Belugans on the books. Uh, so clearly Arteta has faith in Enketia. I mean, if he didn't have faith in Enketia he would have played Belugan. There's no other way of putting it. He must have a decent amount of faith in Are You're right, we did see him trying to be more creative. It's a question of balance for the team. The way Arteta seems to prefer it normally is to not have one focal goal scorer. If you have a Harry Kane, Erling Haaland style, someone who you know is going to be the main goal scorer, teams can set up to defend that. They can put their best defender on him. Uh, If you don't have one goal scorer, if it's spread out across the team, it's more difficult to defend. Uh, With teams like Nottingham Forest, best will in the world to Nottingham Forest, they're not Arsenal, Man City, they're not Liverpool. Uh, Maybe against teams like that, what we need is someone to get a goal because they'll probably sit off us. They'll probably let us have high possession and try and nick one on the counter-attack. So having a fox in the box against Nottingham Forest would suit Arsenal better than it would against Manchester City, where we won't be able to dominate possession in the same way. So it depends on who the opponent is to an extent, uh, but I do think Arteta's clearly sticking with Nketiah to an extent. He would have played Belugan otherwise, who scored 20 goals in France last season. Clearly there is, uh, in Arteta's mind, a future for Eddie Nketiah at Arsenal. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I really think that
0: that whatever Nketiah brings to the team, Arteta seems to like it. I think you're 100% right about that. He's stuck with Eddie um, you know, through thick and thin. He, he obviously has a lot of affection for him. Um, I still also just kind of question whether he fits this team. But at the same time, we have often called for variety. We've often said we you know we need a different kind of striker sometimes, and, and Eddie certainly represents that. I don't know that he's everyone's sort of ideal of what that alternative striker was supposed to look like, uh, but he certainly, he fits the bill in terms of like wanting something different uh, because a lot of the criticism leveled at this team last season had to do with how predictable we were and had to do with how, you know, once you learned how we played, it became easy to stop, and I think uh, from the formation to choice of striker uh, to the versatility of some of the players. I think what you're seeing here is is Arteta trying to move past some of that and trying to um, get to a point where you know maybe we are a little less predictable. Maybe we do have a little more variety. But I think there's there certainly going to be uh, some growing pains to that. And I think that uh, you might end up seeing more games like this that maybe well, the score, the score line looks probably a little closer than this game was. I mean, there's a couple different ways to think about a 2-1. You can think about a 2-1 as, well, you only scored one more goal than your opponent. Or you can think of a 2-1 as, we scored twice as many goals as our opponent. Uh, and those are, those are two very different things. Uh, and this really felt like... I think if you go back and watch this one again, you'll see that even at 2-1, this didn't really... F- this, this didn't really feel like a match that was really in jeopardy. Of course, anything can happen, uh, but we really did control the vast majority of this match. Um, one area, though, where there we don't seem to be having any growing pains, we just seem to be having, I don't know, growing gains as the players get older and a little more ma- and mature, is our wingers, Gabby Martinelli, Bukayo Saka, absolutely dominant again today. Uh, with some what did you th- what did you read about those two performances obviously saka has the glorious finish uh for that second goal but uh, what did you think of our winger play overall
1: uh i thought they were the, the the best players on the field particularly uh martinelli uh i think he had the most tackles out of anybody on the team <laughs> uh like, um, during his time on the field uh i'm i'm sorry but could you could you go to someone else just real quick yeah sure no problem
0: uh alex uh what all i have in my notes here is lavish praise upon the wingers so i thought i would just give us all a chance to do that so uh do you want to take your your chance to just sort of praise the wingers
2: sure i'd love to praise them because they're just unbelievable the fact that You know, both Saka and Martinelli cost us a grand total of six million pounds. When you see some of the prices of players at the moment, you almost think to yourself, "Well, we really lucked out because we've got—I would argue—we've got two world-class wingers in 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 our team." You know, these guys are, in my opinion, probably the best winger duo in the league. In in, in my opinion, I just think what they they, bring—they—they are. Similar in some ways, and then they're completely different in others. You know, Martinelli with his ability to his direct style, the way Martinelli runs with the ball and dribbles with it—it's like, you know, it's just pacey. It's just, you know, it's very hard to to just see a like to, to see players that actually do that. You know, I, the only other players that you can really think of is like someone like Thierry Henry when he used to run with the ball and dribble with it. It was just like pace but the ball was almost glued to his foot. You know, it was unbelievable. And, you know, with Saka, he's just got such trickery and just his ability to cut in and just let off shots like that. So, you know, willy-nilly and get it into the top corner, you just think, oh, you know, we, we, we definitely lucked out and we've got two really fantastic wingers that are going to be at the club for, you know, hopefully many, many years to come.
0: Absolutely. It's an underrated portion of our summer business was all the renewals that we were able to get done. Uh, Nelly, do you think, first of all, do you think there's a better winger combo in the Premier League? And second, on top of that, uh, where do you, where do you, what do you think of in terms of rating Saka and Martinelli in terms of world football? Is there a set of wingers in world football that you would want more than these two?
3: Good question. I'd say in the Premier League right now, they've got, they've got to be the best winger combination. Uh, the only other winger that's of comparable quality, really, to those two is Mo Salah. And since Liverpool don't have Mane anymore, uh, we have the superior winger combination of any team. I think Saka and Martinelli would, at least individually, there's not a team in the world that one of them wouldn't go into, no, no matter who it was, Barcelona maybe real Madrid real Madrid are very good. It might be the only team that might struggle to break into. They're really at that. They really are at that level. When you look at the quality they bring on and off the ball and it's, they've got that air to them. that's slightly difficult to describe. If, if they take two or three touches, you feel that something's going to happen and you can tell the defenders do as well. And, just every watching them against forest if they were able to get two or three touches in without getting tackled every time it felt like something was going to happen so that means that the whole game the defenders are exhausted just from watching them take a couple of touches and that's what they uh, that's what they bring i really don't i think real madrid might be the only team that have as good a winger combination as arsenal at the moment
0: yeah and i think that's the team that comes to mind and I, and the fact that we are able to boast skill players at that level where those, where that's the comparison I think is incredible when you think about where this team was just a few years ago. Uh, I will poll everyone on this, but I'll go to wassam first. The Martinelli assist for Nketiah's goal, obviously it's outrageous. And I know that if you ask him, he will tell you that he meant it. Do you think he meant it?
1: <laughs> I think he meant it in a way that he wanted to dribble through the players. I don't think he meant it in a way that he wanted to pass it, but it turned out that way with Enketia uh, just receiving the ball. But, you know, he'll probably say that he meant it. I would say that I meant it if I had done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Alex
3: Nelly, did he mean it? With the, not until the last touch. I don't think he meant it. It's possible with his last touch he was trying to steer it to Enketia. But before that, I think he was trying to get split the defenders. And it kind of worked out for him on his last touch. But it doesn't matter how many touches you are ahead. As long as the next touch you take is the right touch.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, basically, yeah. But what, what Nelly said,
3: <laughs> I'm going to,
0: I'm just, you know what? I'm going to counteract and contradict all of you. I think he 100% meant it, knew exactly what he was doing because it's, it's better that way. Uh, so a lot of positives to talk about from this game. However, uh, the big cloud hanging over this one is the Uri and Timber injury. As of now, I don't think we've heard any definitive updates from from the injury. Uh, but first of all, uh, we'll go to you first, Wasam. What did you think of Timber's performance up to the point where he takes that first knock that, really, that takes him down? Um, and how did the game change once he left it?
1: Uh, he's a huge part of our defense with him. Um, the, the back line is completely calm and, and composed. We definitely missed him in the second half. So uh, his injury is quite worrying, especially because he had it off the ball. You never like to see that. Usually if somebody gets tackled and they're like, please take me off, you're like, okay, I understand that. But when you're just standing there and you just feel some sort of uh, funny business, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Just some awkwardness with your leg and you fall down. That's that's a bit scary. Uh, he's an important part of the team already. Um, he's, he's already shown that he can fit into our system quite well, um, especially with Zenchenko still out. Uh, Tomiyasu Tamiya, uh, came in and did quite well. He even had a shot on goal, which I like to see. But Jurian is, um, yeah, he's definitely a starter for us. He definitely controls the back line and helps us.
0: Yeah, I love signing a right back that comes in and immediately becomes your second choice left back, and maybe because of his defensive capabilities in some big games, actually becomes your first choice left back, uh, depending on the the game. Uh, certainly, I think he's stronger defensively than uh, Zinchenko, who obviously does a lot for us. Um, Alex or Nelly, um, how do you think the game changed? Were you happy with Tomiyasu's performance? I think we saw a little bit different look from Tomiyasu. Um, But I also think that that one of the things that holds Tomiyasu back at this point is if he's going to get better, he needs a run of games. I don't think that we can judge his performance terribly accurately by a sub-appearance here, a start there. I feel like if if we're going to reintegrate Tomiyasu, he might need a run of games. And to be fair, he might actually get one based on this injury. So um, what is next for us in the left-back position?
3: I think... um... In the short term, we'll see Tommy Isu starting. Uh, I think at least next week, Tommy Ayasu will start at left back. Given how he played, uh, he played well, and as Rassam said, the injuries where you take a kick, like those are the ones that you know, pe- and people go off. Sometimes they fully recover in one or two days. It is just they got kicked. Whereas when you've done something inside your knee ligaments or your muscle, even if it's very minor. Uh, if you're just on your own and you get hurt those tend to be slightly longer injuries so it's not whilst as far as durian timber himself has said came out he thought he was okay but they sent him out in the second half and then immediately took him off so clearly there's not something quite right there Uh, i imagine he won't be playing next week Uh, might be wrong but that's what i would imagine with uh Tommy Isu, I think Tommy Isu is very good. You're right, he needs to run a run of games. He's not really been able to have that the last two seasons, not due to his own quality, it's just due to injury. So we hopefully he can stay fit for the next few weeks and get a few games in and play very well for a few games and hold his place in the team. If that's the problem we're having at left-back, that's a good problem to have.
2: Yeah, I think... Um... I think, obviously, look, Tim is going to be a massive miss for sure. Uh, but I agree with Nelly in terms of we probably do need to get Tommy Asso a bit of a run of games just to actually see, you know, does he still, I guess, well, I don't want to say if he still has it, but just to get him up to speed. Um, because, yeah, he he, I mean, he did look good. He did look well, decent, at least, in, in that second half. Um, I guess... As Nelly also mentioned, it's a good problem to have that we've got, you know, I guess plenty of cover. Uh, be interesting to see if if Mikel Arteta doesn't go with say Tomiyasu, then who would he go with? Obviously, Zinchenko is still injured. Maybe, maybe does Gabriel play there? Um, you know, do we do sort of like a Man City style where you just where you have that kind of four centre backs, um, and then have one of them sort of invert to, into midfield, much like how Stones was at the end of last season for Man City. Um. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of solutions that Arteta comes up with for that.
0: Yeah, two things I would say here. Number one, uh, interesting that Kieran Tierney doesn't even make the bench in this game. Uh, Certainly, and I think the rumors of his departure have started to pick up in the last 24 hours or so, maybe because he was on the bench uh, on Saturday. Second thing that I would mention is... uh, in the preseason at least, and and late last season as party was was experimenting with right back, we did have Jakub Kibior playing left back some, and certainly he seems to be able to do a lot of the on-the-ball work that we've asked of our left back. So I would watch that. So my quick question for you, first of all, interesting and, and good news that Zinchenko is training with the first team again. However, if Zinchenko is not ready to start this coming, well, next Monday, I guess a week from today, uh, if Zinchenko is unable to go, Let's assume Timber is also unable to go. Who's your starting left back against Palace on Monday? And I'll just go straight down the line. Wassam, who's your who's your starting left back?
2: I would have to say Kivior.
0: Okay, Alex, who's your starting left back?
2: I agree. I think Kivior or Gabriel. I mean, I mean, you could start Gabriel there, but I think I think what Arteta will we'll do is go with with Kivior.
0: Nelly, who's your starting left back? Tommy I see. It's interesting though it also that Tomiyasu is the one that came on. I don't remember was Kivyo or on the bench for this game?
2: Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah,
0: but that and that may give us a clue then of what Mar- Mikel Arteta is thinking in terms of who is my second choice left back in the event uh, that Timbers out. Uh so let's we have we're now nearly 30 minutes in here. We haven't even talked about well, the now former British record transfer uh since kaisado is apparently going to break that sometime this afternoon um Hmm. we've talked a little bit about uh uh, timber obviously before the injury let's talk about our other major new signings let's talk about declan rice and uh, i'll save kai havertz for let's talk about declan rice first uh alex what was your evaluation of declan rice's performance um how did you see the the spaces that he took up uh and whether you thought that this meant that ultimately he could do something similar to what has become known as the party role going forward, or is this something to where we're going to really ease him into that? And this whole formation was really a chance for Mikel Arteta to get Rice and Party on the the pitch at the same time.
2: Yeah, I think from what I saw, I thought he had a great game. I thought, um, in my opinion, I, I felt like he could do the party role and more. I mean, he just he was very commanding, um, and he just yeah he just went about his business you know very like almost unnoticeably you you like it was only at the end of the game you kind of looked at his stats and you thought oh hang on did he do all of that you know and I think that's a testament to him and that's kind of what he did really for West Ham and you know, just he just goes about his business in that central midfield role and he just yeah um and attack I mean I, there was a moment where uh Nottingham Forest were. In attacking transition, and he just sprints back and steals the ball off. I can't remember who the player was, not again for us, but he just steals the ball like it's nothing, and he just passes it, and he goes. You know, we go back into our formation and start attacking again. I mean, you know, that for me is something that is just really yeah. He just he's such a classy. He's so classy on the ball. I, I love it. And in terms of like the positions he was taking up, he just yeah, it, it almost you can almost argue that he was. In that in that sort of six role, and then he would transition to the eight role when Partey inverted in, um, and then yeah, there were times when he would almost, know, almost in almost a ten position, you know, um, and with the likes of Timber and Partey just right behind him, um, Havertz being you know sort of a bit more forward, once again almost going it was like a a two two like. Yeah, two two one five almost. It was kind of really interesting sometimes uh, in those sort of attacking transitions. But yeah, I just thought he was—I thought he was tremendous.
0: Yeah, I've seen the formation three one six being floated for some of the things that we were doing uh, during that game. Um, uh, Nelly, what did you think of Rice? Uh, almost had a goal. Took a couple of shots. Took a couple of decent shots, actually. Um, our own former player Matt Turner denying him. Uh, his debut goal. I feel like he should have let one of those in just, you know, for the narrative, but apparently he's already entirely too loyal to Forrest.
3: Yeah. Well, I thought Rice was very good. I mean, it's a big price tag. It's difficult to justify it, particularly as a central midfielder, he's not going to score 15 goals a season. Realistically that's the kind of not the kind of player he is, but I think he looked very assured. Class was the word that was used. I think that's the right word. Uh, I think that he what is he does have class to the way he plays. It makes some some of the stuff he does is very difficult, and he makes it look very easy. And it's not it's very difficult to make football football look easy, and that's something Declan Rice does. He nearly scored twice. Uh, two of them are very close. I don't. I think he's the right player. On the ball to complement the other players we've got. We've got very talented, very good attacking players Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard. Rice is the right player on the ball to complement that. And he didn't make any bad mistakes defensively. So if he can. And that's all. That's what Arsenal are going to need. We solid at the back and who complements well are our other attacking players, particularly Saka and Martinelli, who are obviously the key to our play.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to. Ultimately, it does seem like people are, are pretty satisfied with the Rice performance. I enjoyed watching him. I think he's a lot of fun. I think he does a lot uh, in that midfield area. Really fills up the stat sheet. But I want to shift gears just a little bit here and talk about Kai Havertz. I think, I think the initial reaction from uh, the social media sphere, so take that with a grain of salt, but that Havertz was not particularly good. And then I think there was a backlash against the Kai Havertz is bad argument. And so now I think we maybe we've gone almost a little too far in the other direction and that Kai Havertz, not only was he not bad, but he was outstanding. I want to try and balance out what we actually thought of what Kai Havertz did in this game. So uh, in my notes, I just have, it just says Kai Havertz good or bad because obviously those are the only two options in you know, in the the social media sphere and in the internet as a whole, uh, we can no longer nuance arguments. So, Alex Kai Havertz, good or bad?
2: Uh, I think I think overall, I think I would say he was good. Um, you know, there were a couple of really good passes that he made. Um, that you know, if it wasn't for some good defending or potentially you know some just some of our other attackers getting in better positions, I think you know they could have ended up being goals. And then maybe it doesn't maybe on the, the social media sphere, he doesn't end up being as bad. Um, or he doesn't get ridiculed as much if those goals go in. Um, but what I would say is that if you actually, you know, if you really think about Arsenal's formation and their team, you, you, look at that, you look at that left side, you've had Timber, Rice, Havertz, Martinelli, whilst on, sorry, that's the left side. If you look at the right side, then you had White, Partey, Odegaard, and Saka. You know, those, the right side, they've been playing together you know, for so long. And the left side, you think about it, three out of four players have only just started playing for us. Um, and I just think, really, what it probably is, is it just it's just time. They need time to gel. You know, I think... I think Kai Havertz will, will show that he's actually a better player than what he was at Chelsea. I think he was just lost at Chelsea. And I think you know, Chelsea... will to be fair, Chelsea, for the past couple of seasons, they've been a lost club. Um, so I just think, you know... He's getting a bit of stick, I have It's not from everyone, but um some Arsenal fans are still, you know, questioning the questioning the decision of bringing him in. I just think he needs a bit of time. And I think, yeah, there were a couple of key passes there. And in some of his positioning, in some of his jewels as well, he winning he, I think he won something like eight jewels, I think. You know, and what does Arteta say? You know, if you watched the Amazon documentary, what did Arteta say? You know, if I lose a jewel, I am upset. So, you know, he's I think he's be, he's able to bring in a few more things that we might not necessarily have his size, his, his height gives us another dimension, especially when going long. Um, so yeah, I just think time is all it needs to be. And I think he'll end up going from being, you know, the question will be good or bad. It'll be, you know, is he a great player or not? In my opinion, at least.
0: Not exactly a hot take, but a very good, I think, summation of what Havertz brought to this. Um, so Nelly, I'll go to you for the hot take.
3: Kai Havertz, good or bad? he he was bad this weekend unfortunately but but i would say bad you got to hold him to a high standard a new signing for arsenal for with that price tag uh he he did mention time alex and he, he may well be proven right it's quite likely i think that in a next season or the end of this season uh, kai havertz will become will come good will be possibly one of the best players in the club but it was it was unclear exact, it's unclear exactly what position he's gonna play. The two competitive fixtures he's played for Arsenal, he started one up front, which didn't work well for Chelsea, and then he was part of the slightly overloaded midfield against Nottingham Forest. So it's not clear what his best position is yet. Many players have gone to Chelsea, uh, not done well, and then a couple of seasons later turned into truly world beating players. Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah, didn't do well at Chelsea. And maybe he'll be. I I hope he will. I I hope Kai Havertz gets to that kind of level. It's optimistic, but he might do it. Uh, it's not. But he didn't do that this weekend, and I would be surprised to see him do it against Crystal Palace. I think it'll take longer than that.
0: I think we're just going to make this a regular feature of the pod. I think we're just going to have a segment every week, and it's just going to say Kai Havertz, good or bad, and then we'll just sort of figure it out from there. I do think Alex has a very good point, and and Nelly, you you piggybacked off that as well. We just that left pod needs time. It absolutely needs time to, to gel. It is the one that we've remade. It showed early in this game. Everything early in this game went down the right. We started to work in the left a little more. Obviously the first goal comes from, uh, comes from the left. So I think it definitely is a work in progress. And Alex, I think that you also bring up a good point in that, um, outside of in product stuff, Kai Havertz stats look pretty decent. Won a lot of duels. I know he flashed a ball across the box early in the game that, it, that I certainly thought w- was quality, uh, I don't know if he faded from this game, which brings up a point with Sam that you brought up earlier. And that I would like to come back to now, which has to do with fitness and substitutions. Forrest goal came just a couple of minutes after subbing a Lenga on. They sub him in, in the 80th minute, they score in the 82nd minute in which he gets the assist. Meanwhile, Mikel Arteta made three subs the whole game. One of them was injury induced and one was after the goal. So I want to, I want to get back to this because this was a major talking point last season as well, having to do with Arteta trusting his bench, trusting the depth that we supposedly didn't have last year, but supposedly do have this year. Uh, so, some, take some time and talk to me a little bit about the substitutions in this game from Arteta uh, and what you thought of them.
1: I think if he made the substitutions earlier, we wouldn't have conceded the goal. We would have kept it in their half, uh, just like we did the first 45 minutes it's unfortunate Uh, you could you could see it uh, as just a spectator uh, looking at like Partey wasn't tracking back as fast Um, Ben White wasn't tracking back as fast during break breakaways during chances for Nottingham and we were all wondering at least I was is he going to sub some people in what is it going to happen when's Chassard going to come in because you know he's a tight space engineer he could easily keep the possession of the ball and also, Gabby is sitting on the bench. is is just right there for defense. And so, yeah, it's curious why he didn't um, sub anybody in until he had to. I wonder if he's going to make some changes next game or next time we have a low block like that, if he's going to factor that in.
0: Yeah, trissard came on in the seventy third minute of this game and for a score in the eighty second. Uh, Nelly or Alex, what? It's, it's obviously it's easy to do this in hindsight, right? It looks really bad when, uh, you know, Steve Cooper makes the subs and they immediately sort of pay dividends for him. So obviously it looks bad in hindsight, but um, like with Sam, I was kind of thinking during that game, and this is, but this is repeats a pattern that Mikel Arteta subs late and doesn't necessarily sub proactively. Uh, so I'd like to get your take on what you thought of the subs should we have actually used all five subs and where you might have used those and, and what times?
2: Yeah, I think this is something that Arteta has to work on because um, I definitely think that this is something lacking. Um, he, he does tend to leave either subs too late or, as you just mentioned, Sean, he's not proactive with it. And I think, yeah, yeah. the fact, even if you don't need to use all five subs, I'm not saying that you should, but... There are there are occasions where you kind of think should certain players be playing um, full ninety minutes? You know, someone like Saka, who's played every game of over of the, of the past two seasons. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I don't I just understand the risks sometimes we take with certain players. Um, and yeah, I do think that Arteta needs to be a bit more proactive with his substitutes um, when he substitutes. Like with mentioned, you, you could kind of see it happening. You could kind of see we, we started to get a bit leggy around the 70th minute, you know. Um, and we sort of survived for about, you know, eight to 10 minutes. And then they can, and then we conceded. And all of a sudden, you know, it's an absolute scramble at the end. And, and it became a game that was not necessarily, you know, a, a bit of panic, but you kind of thought, man, we, we could drop points here and it would be unjust. But at the same time, it would probably be our own fault for not actually being proactive with our substitutions.
0: And so, Nelly, were you were you thinking during that game? Come on, Mikel, it's time to it's kind of time to start making these subs. It's time it's time to retake control of this game. Um,
3: um, y- yes, uh, it, it's easy. You're right. It's easy to say from the armchair right? when you're not on the touchline, and uh, when you we don't see these players every day, we don't know what they. are Work rate and training training is like uh, maybe he told the players that they were going to be playing ninety minutes, but it, it felt from home that they should have been making subs. I, I personally would have brought Gabrielle on probably for probably for parte when we were two 0 up and people were starting to get a bit tired. And then push Ben White to right back. That's probably what I would have done at least. Uh, wh- the goal we conceded it wasn't necessarily from the substitutions. It was. Tr- more because we were still pushing. Whether we'd do that if we were playing Man City or Man United is a different question. We conceded because we'd gone for a corner. We could have left three players back from that corner. We were two goals up. We chose not to do that. And then even in the dying embers of the game when we were only one goal up, we had five players in or around Forrest box. I don't think it's just the substitutions that leaves us vulnerable. It's the keep pushing to score more goals. It's good when it works, but that was stressing me out more than the substitutions from my armchair. It was the still pushing forwards even when it was only one goal? Still pushing five players up is part is what leaves us vulnerable as much as our substitutions. Absolutely, when you see how
0: vulnerable we were on transitions last year, and you see that the goal that we conceded on Saturday was the result of a of a set piece transition players running back toward their own goal. I can see certainly see the point when you're two goals up, there's pushing for a third goal and then there's pushing sort of in a foolhardy manner. It's something that we're going to continue to talk about as long as it continues to come up because it was a talking point last year. I think if it wasn't... so Two things. I think first, if it wasn't such a talking point last year, I don't think we would think a whole lot of it You know, one game into this season. But second, a lot of... Maybe the main reason we lost the title last year had to do with a lack of depth pieces that Arteta felt like he trusted. That's one of the problems we seem to have solved during the transfer window up to this point. And yet it still kind of came up and bit us again. So it'll be interesting to see going forward whether Arteta can find those 16, 17 guys that he trusts rather than those 13, 14 guys that he trusts, because it's absolutely going to make a difference in how our season uh, is perceived. Uh, last thing we're going to transition here from specifically this game to a little bit more of, of stuff going on in the rest of the league, um, stoppage time, world cup style stoppage time made its debut this week. Um, there were three minutes of stoppage time in Arsenal Forest in the first half and seven in the second half. I don't think that was that bad. Let's start with this game first. Did you notice the stoppage time? Did it seem like? Did it seem that different from anything that you saw last year? I'll just throw this out. I'll throw that out to the group.
3: I, I definitely noticed when when you're only one goal up and it gets to, <laughs> and it's six minutes in and it's still ticking. I definitely noticed then. Uh, uh, Personally, I'm all for it because a lot of time is wasted in football. Lots of games that have similar dynamics to football stop the clock when the ball isn't live. Uh, Basketball often stops the clock, I believe. Uh, Rugby Union, which is a popular sport in the UK, they definitely stop the clock when the ball isn't live uh, instead of doing extra time, but it has the same effect. Every second is played. Uh, I'm all for it. Even though it was stressful for me personally on Saturday, uh, I think it makes the game fairer. It makes teams that play cynically uh, get punished for it.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's absolutely fair. And I didn't see any egregious, um, like, you know, 15 minutes plus or something like that uh, this weekend. Um, I also do like how they are uh, putting the stoppage time into the first half because usually they would just, you know, maybe just three minutes or two minutes at most. But uh, I saw during like the Spurs game I actually went to ten minutes for the first half and I was like, hey, that's that's great. Because um some people do do time wasting in the first half because uh refs are more likely just to give a couple minutes there and just call the half. So yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair so far. We'll see through the season what happens, but it looks it looks okay. Well let me read you some numbers. Uh, Burnley City, five and
0: six. So five in the first half, six in the second. Bournemouth West Ham one and six. Brighton Luton one and seven. Everton Fulham one and six. Sheffield Palace one and five. Uh, Newcastle Villa had ten and five, but that was the Tyrone Mings injury in the first half accounted for the vast majority of that ten in the first half. Brentford Tottenham, as was saw mentioned, eleven and four. Uh, but the first half had the uh, Romero injury and a five minute VAR review for the penalty. Uh, Chelsea Liverpool mm-hmm. went six and five, uh, six minutes in the first half due to two VAR reviews for offside goals. So, Alex, did you see anything egregious there? I don't think that, what I don't think we actually saw, I don't know that there was a whole lot of time added for time wasting. What I feel like was added is, especially in the first half, as was Sam mentioned. Just actually accounting for all of the time that was taken up by a VAR review or an injury, a significant injury. Uh, what did you think? Did you did you have any thoughts on this on stoppage time in the week one of the Premier League?
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I kind of agree with Nelly and with some. I think it was fair, and I think I guess the beauty of, like of if we are going to go down this path, I think the great thing is like you mentioned, if it's going to be for the VAR reviews, etc., then. I think that's fair, and I, I, at least in that way, the, the sort of dark arts that you get in football isn't necessarily just going to be completely gone. Um, that was probably my one concern: was that there are, you know, there are certain tactics that some teams can do which aren't, which are obviously time wasting to a degree. But I do also think they have it's, they have their place in the in the game, and I think it makes the game a little bit more interesting. I mean, I said to you guys bef- before, you know, it's it's fun when you're doing it, but it's not so nice when it's happening to you. Um, and I think that's kind of like, and I think that's kind of what it is. And I think that's how a lot of fans feel. So I've, I, it's, it's one of those, it's, it, you know, it's six in one, half a dozen the other. I, I think as long as it, time that's being wasted on VAR reviews, you know, if VAR is going to stay, which it obviously probably will be, then yes, things like adding time on for those and you know injuries where there's serious injuries like, like Tyrone Mings, et cetera. Yep. I think I'm more for it, and I think it's, it only makes the game fairer.
0: One thing that I haven't heard talked about too much in this is how this will also impact substitution patterns. I know that Rafael Varane has recently come out sort of against the new uh, stoppage time rules and the stoppage time sort of attention that's being paid to it, essentially arguing that that's a lot of extra minutes. Players are already playing too much, which I think he's right, certainly right about. So is there? there seems like there might be an advantage here to managers that can integrate this as a strategy into their substitutions. A 20 minute sub may now be a 30 minute sub. If you bring someone on in the 70th minute, are they now getting 30 minutes instead of 20 minutes? Uh, and how does that affect the wear and tear on muscles, ligaments, et cetera, et cetera? Maybe what we end up seeing is more 55th minute subs, uh, You know, something early in the second half Uh, rather than something that's waiting until the 65th or 70th minute, because there's going to be potentially 10 minutes on the back of that, especially in close games. Uh, Do we think that there are any sort of marginal gains to be added here by managers who can figure this system out and figure out a
1: way to tweak it to their advantage? I think it's a great way to keep players happy (laughs) with more minutes. You know, they can share it around. Uh, If you're thinking about uh, putting subs in, in the second half, because the first half went on to 55 minutes. Absolutely. And absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Managers need to think about that.
3: With any new system, there's always going to be ways you can use it to your advantage, whatever that might be. They brought in five subs before they brought in the additional minutes to be played. So on if all five subs are used instead of three, on average, players should be playing less just about, anyway, on minutes, because two more of them get to have 30 minutes off. Uh, some players that's not going to apply to. Some players do carry a, more of a workload for their team. Rafael Varane is a centre-back. They rarely get substituted off, uh, so he's playing more minutes. But it's it's the same for all teams. It's not in any way un, unfair uh, that they have to play these more minutes. I also think eventually you mentioned early second-half substitutes. I think we might start seeing some managers tactically substituting in the first half. If the first half is going to be 55 minutes, if you bring on a fresh winger after 40 minutes, they can have 10, 15 minutes running at slightly tired legs and then play the second half. Uh, that I think that might well be something we'll see. I think it won't necessarily just stop uh, early second half substitutes. I imagine at least some managers will try late first half subs. That would be fascinating.
2: Yeah, I agree. Sorry,
3: go ahead,
2: Alex. I was going to say I agree, and I just want to say, you know, with Varane, um, I think his concern is probably the fact that he gets injured all the time. So therefore, he's he's probably more concerned, like, oh man, I'm going to be on the sidelines even longer now because yeah, he probably won't get sub, and um, he's going get to end up getting an injury or something. Um, yeah, look, I. I once again, you know I agree with Nelly and with I think um, I, I think you are going to have to. And look, managers are going they're going to have to adapt. It's as simple as that. They're going to have to adapt. Um, there are five substitutions. So really, and this probably goes back to what we were saying about Arteta. You know, managing the five substitutions a bit better. You know, managers are just going to have to. You got you got five subs now. So just you know f- have figure out some some sort of strategy that you can use this to your advantage. And I think that's what we'll probably end up seeing more and more as as a the season progresses. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a really good point. I'm very interested to see how the potential tactical advantage of making a sub in the 40th minute competes with or, or comes up against the the culture of the game in terms of just like you don't want to be subbed off if you're a sub getting subbed in the first half i mean it's such a it's such a taboo right unless it manager it's just it's such an indication that a manager is so very unhappy with the way that you're playing that you don't even make it to halftime so there there are some cultural issues on top of the tactical issues with that but nelly i can see where you're coming from from a tactical perspective i'm very interested to see how that sort of butts up with the culture of the game uh and and what it means to be subbed in the 40th minute
3: does it make sense Oh, yes. I mean, if you look, say, if Arsenal were to do this with the currently available players, if we were to bring Trossard on in the 40th minute, it'd be an interesting tactical manoeuvre, but it, it, would something would be said about whoever was taken off. If we took Saka off or Enketia off, it'd probably be Enketia, uh, or Havertz off, whoever it is, to make room for Trossard in the 40th minute. It, whoever that is is going to be mentioned on social media as the player who got taken off in the first half and going to have to go to training the next day and deal with that but it's not all about the one player it's about what's tactically right for the team if you can get that do that to your advantage people aren't expecting it uh, then you have a dynamic player completely fresh playing for the uh, against tired defenders who're just trying to get to half time and you get a goal from it and win the game it doesn't matter if someone's upset uh, the players themselves, we could talk. You have one would hope that Arteta would tell them before the game starts that it's something they're considering, so they're not shocked by it themselves. Uh, that would have, I think, that would have to be part of the conversation.
0: You're absolutely right, though the, narra- the narrative with you get taken off in the first half is something. It's something real, and it's something players will have to deal with.
1: I, I think you can mitigate that if you sub two people on. I think you that, know, not just one. Uh, yeah, I think that would that would and be and true.
2: Yeah, the, the the optics aren't as bad then if you have two people come on.
3: It makes it look much more deliberate and pre-planned if it's two as well. Absolutely, like, like you like said, the optics. Like it, it if we bring on whoever it may be, if we bring on inketia and Trossard on the fortieth minute, it, the optics are a lot better. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for the uh the game portion the actual game the the original purpose of this inaugural pod for us uh was to talk about our predictions for the season unfortunately we weren't able to get that out before the season so but we'll use this as an opportunity and i'll ask you was there anything that you saw in this game or in the other premier league games that made
3: you rethink any of your predictions I'm going to say n- no. If anything, my predictions its only one week. So I am g- i might look full in, in 20 weeks time with this, but if anything, my predictions look better after week one than they did before i ball was kicked. So for now uh, I'm sticking with them.
1: Yeah. Mine were conservatively optimistic, like still optimistic, but a little conservative. And I think, I, I think it's just right there with the first game.
2: Yep. Yeah. Same with me. Uh, yeah, I think mine, mine def- mine's definitely a little bit more optimistic. Um, but nothing yet that is sort of screaming out to me. Oh, that's a huge mistake what I've done there.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of podcast we're going to be if we're not wildly overreacting to every single game. So uh, I don't. Y- yeah. Y'all get it together. <laughs> Make sure that you, you know, just just completely overreacting to to a single game. I have to agree though. I don't think that this game really changed. Anything that I was thinking, um, the score line I think was a little bit different than the performance. The performance I thought was very encouraging. Uh, the score line made it feel closer than I think it was. So let's go straight into it. Let's start. Uh, let's just start some predictions. Uh, so the first one has to do with uh, our Premier League point total. So I'm just going to go down the line of how I see you on my screen here. Uh, and so, Alex, what is your? And, and all of this is. Well, unless the question mentions otherwise, all of this has to do with Premier League only. There are a few questions having to do with the Cups uh, and the Champions League. Uh, but f- for the most part, if we're talking about wins and goals and assists and so far uh, and so forth, we're talking about uh, the Premier League. So, uh, Alex, what did you have as our Premier League point total?
2: I think we're going to get more than 90 points. Uh, I think 92 is what I've put. It could be 91, but I think 92. I'm just thinking about some of the games um, that we dropped points to in the fi- in the last season. I think we've made some improvements where we might not necessarily drop those points uh, in this season. So yeah, I think I'm optimistic um, that we can get over 90 points this season.
0: And I will ask you as I'll ask each of our panelists, Did you go through game by game and say, okay, we're going to win this, we're going to draw this, we're going to win this, we're going to lose this? Or is it just vibes?
2: Oh, it's always vibes (laughs) with me, for sure. Um, (laughs) It's always about the vibes. Um, No, look, I just, look, I didn't go through game by game. um, And look, there's obviously a lot, you know, if we get certain injuries, obviously it's going to completely derail what what we're talking about. But I just feel as though, we have a a much greater chance this season of potentially competing for the league. And ultimately that would mean that we'd have to get at least around the 90 points mark because Man City are more than likely going to do that. Um, And I think we have the capability to do that. So that's why, you know, although it might be optimistic, um, I still think we can do it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful.
0: All right, Nelly. You're the only one that didn't post yours in the spreadsheet. So, like you said before we started recording, your predictions are all going to be a surprise for us. Uh so what is your Premier League point total prediction for this season?
3: Well, unfortunately this one's not too surprising cuz I do agree with Alex, uh, but I've gone with 91. 91. Yeah, my prediction. And was that a game by game or was it all vibes? a bit not exactly just all vibes uh i know that we got 84 i was thinking about how we're going to perform this season and we got 84 points last season so if we turn three draws into wins and one loss into a draw that's seven more points which is 91 so i don't know i haven't decided which games those are going (laughs) to be that's what i'm expecting to happen
2: (laughs) sounds like vibes to me
3: (laughs) cheers
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right Wassam, your point total and how you got there
1: uh 87 i think uh just a little less than than you two and i just did the math really based on the wins and 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 ties as well so i think they're gonna get you know 27 wins and off that around 87 points all right i think it'll be enough enough
0: that sounds good i actually went with 86 here um uh, what I'm expecting though is I'm expecting uh, maybe league totals at the top to kind of come down a little bit. I think I think Chelsea have made some improvements. I think United will be a little bit better. I just think that there are going. I think the points are going to be a little more spread rather than concentrated uh, at the top. Mm-hmm. So I figure, well, we can't draw Southampton twice this year. Uh, so maybe we turn maybe we turn one of those or into a win, pick up a couple more points there, uh, but. It's mostly vibes. But once you get past 80 points, those improvements get harder and harder and harder to come by. And so I thought maybe improving from 84 to 86 would actually is actually kind of a difficult improvement. Uh, so second, uh, Premier League wins. We had 26 last season. Uh, Alex, what did you have for this season?
2: I've gone with 29. I think we'll get 29 wins. Um, that's what? Well, that's three more than last season. You know, like you mentioned, uh, obviously we can't draw to Southampton twice. I think we could potentially maybe get another win there. Uh, I'm looking at games like, for example, the West Ham game when we were away and we were 2 0 up. I just think this season we're better placed to be able to see out a game like that. And I think probably against Forest, you know, that's probably a great example. You know, 2 0 up, maybe last season we would have drawn that game. Um, so it's another two points well yeah, it's another two points in the bag. So I think, yeah, I for me I think we will get an extra three wins, uh somewhere along the track. Um so yeah, I've gone with twenty-nine.
3: Okay, Nelly, how many wins you got for us? I've also gone with twenty nine, like I said on my previous prediction. I, I reckon we're gonna turn three draws into wins and one loss into a draw. So that would make twenty-six last year turns into twenty-nine. Did you two coordinate your guesses? <laughs> Looking off. We'll have to disagree on something <laughs> later.
0: You're both... Just like
2: great minds, great minds think alike. That must
0: be what. <laughs> that must be why mine are off from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> With Sam, I know you already spoiled it earlier by mentioning, yeah, but uh, what do you, what do you um, have for wins?
1: Yeah, twenty-seven. Um, I think we'll get another game uh, ahead this season. I also think it's going to be spread out, like you mentioned. I think it's going to be more um, uh, like the top four is going to spread out the points more.
0: Very good. I ended up on 26 again also. So ultimately, I think our extra points are going to be turning a couple of uh, losses into draws rather than draws into wins. I just think, as I mentioned before, I just think points are going to be harder to come by. So I think actually ultimately that a two-point improvement this year is going to look extremely good when compared to uh, what's going on the rest of the league. Uh, so that brings us to the, the big one. Then where do you see us finishing in the premier league, Alex? First. Bold.
2: Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Oh man. I can hear Twitter's going to be going off. Um, yeah, look, look, I have faith. I have faith, man. What can I say? I believe, I believe we can do it. And, um, I think. Look, it will be close. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I still think you know Man, Man City are obviously the team to beat. Um, and I, I do, like I mentioned before, I do think Man City are going to get ninety points, ninety ninety one points. Um, but I, I just do also think as well we've made some pretty good improvements with some of our new signings. And I just think, overall, the experience of last season, having come so close, I think these players are going to be better forward. Much like when we just missed out on top four the season prior. You know the the players came back bigger and stronger, and I just think the same thing is going to happen. I think there's going to be a bit more hunger, especially when you just miss out. I think there's good they are going to really be hunting it down and, and almost finding that extra, those extra legs and trying to get over the line in in extra games.
0: All right, sounds good. I you know I hope you're right. I mean I, I don't want anyone oh. to think that I don't hope that you're correct, but I, I definitely oh. hope that you're right. Nelly, are you uh, do you agree with Alex
3: again? Yeah, I'm definitely agreeing with him on this one. If there's ever anything I was going to agree with, it's this. Uh, I think we'll we'll do it this year. It's optimistic. It's only only one game played, and we beat Nottingham Forest at home by one goal. So it feel it is optimistic. But if you look at the profile of the squad we had last year, our best players: Saliba, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Pezzu,s uh, they're all players of an age where it's common for them to play better next season than the previous season. And they all played great last season. If a couple of those players, if Martinelli and Odegaard raise their game again, that's that's a team strong enough to win the league. If we're not confident now, we never will be.
0: Wasam, are you going to make it a
1: hat-trick of firsts? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it, it's important the way we uh, ended our season and, and, and transitioned into this season. We didn't rest on our laurels. laurels. We actually made our team better. And with that, I, I think City made their team a little bit worse uh, with Gondwan leaving and also Mares. And so just comparing the top two from last year, our team is better uh, than it was last year. And uh, because we came so close... As Alex was saying, we do have like this additional drive within us to do it this year. And I hope we do. I think we got the the right the right formula, the right teammates.
0: Well, somebody's gotta be a downer here, and it's going to be me. I've got us finishing second. Um while I do think boo.
2: that boo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 while I do think that the squad is better, my only real fear here is that maybe it takes us an extra three or four games to get everything humming. We saw some of the hiccups in this first game. We saw some of the things that still need to be worked on. We saw some of the integration that still needs to happen. If that takes us more than five or six games, that could be the league right there. And, and yes, you could say, and I think that's a reasonable argument to say a, that city has some of the same issues, even though they brought in fewer players and got rid of some of their, some of their absolutely important players. I just feel like, we have more integration to do, and I feel like we ha- are still sort of tweaking the way that we want to play. We're adding things to our game to make us less predictable, and any time that that happens, there's an adjustment period, and I'm just not sure that we have the time to do that. Although I do think by April and May, we will have solve the, the end of the season problem, we'll be much better. I just feel like we might be a couple of points back by then. That it'd be very difficult to make up. So, look, save it. You can. We can have an "I Told You So" pod at the end of the season during the. We Ah. can record it during the open top bus parade. It's fine with me. I love to be wrong in this situation.
2: Oh, oh, we're gonna clip this, Sean. Don't worry. Fantastic.
0: I'm the. I'm, I'm the producer. I will. I will scrub this from the internet. (laughs) <laughs> if it turns out I'm wrong. And again, hope I am. Uh, let's talk league goals. Uh, league goals four. Last year we scored 88. Uh, let's go in reverse order now since we, we've heard from Alex first the whole time. Uh, Wasam, what do you have us for league goals four? Uh,
1: 83. That's rather low. That um, is rather low. I don't know if we're going to be scoring so many goals rather than just controlling the game. I think our defense is top notch now. Our offense is still great. I just don't know if we're gonna be, you know, lighting up the 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 back of the net with like four or five goals a game. Um so yeah, I've been rather conservative. No, it's a good
0: point. I mean we we outperformed our XG over the season by a substantial margin, which all the best teams do, let's put it that way. But even amongst your top six teams that typically overperform their XG over the course of a season, ours was still kind of an outlier. So the real question becomes, do we increase you know, our overall expected goals to such a point where scoring more than 88 goals is, is a feasible outcome. Uh Nelly, what do you have for league goals for?
3: So I'm seems to be agreeing with Alex and not with Sam and you, but I've gone the other way. I'm going 93. I reckon we'll get more this season. I'm I players like I mentioned before, like Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli. I think Jesus will hope. I made this prediction, uh, hoping Jesus will be playing a lot of games for us. Uh, if Jesus is plays more games than last time, I think we'll score more goals. I think Enketia will get more goals needed as well. I foresee more goals coming than, than less. Uh, expected goals. It's a it's a valid stat uh, overall for a whole league. It works out, but some teams don't um strongly correlate with our expected goals. No, I agree. And I think being a top team means that you're overperforming
0: your XG, certainly. Uh Alex, uh which way did you go? Did you go optimistic here or pessimistic? Or somewhere in between?
2: No, I went I went optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are gonna score more. I mean I've only gone six more goals to what we scored last season. Um I do think there are probably going to be games uh where yeah we will control um we will control them more. Like we saw mentioned, um, I just think that we'll also have games now. Uh, once, especially once we hit the ground running, which we don't think we have yet, that we could potentially blast some teams away, and that's really going to just add to sort of our goal difference. Um, yeah, so I've only got I've gone with ninety four. Uh, it's not a crazy amount more, but I think the most important thing this season is going to be defense and how we how many how many we concede
0: you know it's a really good point about having those games where you have control and whether or not you turn a 2-0 into a 6-0 because at the beginning at, you know at halftime of the Forest game that looked like it could have been one of those 6-0 games uh, we had everything going for us it really looked like we were about to become completely rampant and the ability to do that as opposed to what happened in this game is going to be critical is to whether we can we can show that goal improvement i've got us on 86 um, I th- I think that's a, a perfectly fine goal total to achieve. Um, I think we'll come back down to earth with finishing just a tiny, tiny bit. Uh, but I think we'll still pretty substantially outperform uh, our expected goals. I think we'll be one of the top attacks in the league. No question about that. Goals against. This is an interesting one because we gave up 43 goals last season, which is not typically you know the concession total of a league title contender. So I'm interested to see what do you all have for our, our goals allowed this coming season. Uh so with what do you got? what do you got?
1: I have a 32. I think our defense got substantially better um with the addition of Rice and Timber. I think we're a little bit older, a little bit wiser and know our faults despite you know getting a pretty easy goal (laughs) yesterday or two days ago. Uh, I think we're we're still going to have those goals that just, you know, stretch us out and counterattack play and and punish us. And also set pieces. I'm still worried about that as well. But uh, on the whole, I think we're going to decrease our, our goals allowed by quite a bit. Right. And that does seem
0: in terms of goal differential, it does seem like the goals that we conceded, that's the place where the, the easiest, large, significant gains can be made. Nelly, what do you have? How many goals have we given up in the league this season?
3: I've gone for 38, so a goal a game. I think we will improve. It is is the reason we didn't uh, win the league last season. Mm -hmm. Football is about how many goals you score and how many you concede, and it was the goals we conceded that pushed us into second. So I I think we've bought well. Timber, I know he's injured, but I think Timber's good. Got a new goalkeeper to push Rams down. I think we'll be conceding a few fewer goals. So I've gone for one goal a game 38. All right, that sounds good. And Alex, what do you have?
2: So I've gone with 31. Um, and I'm, you know, in agreement, I guess, with, with Sam and to an extent Nelly. I, j- I do think that if you're going to win league titles, you have to concede less. And I think when, with the with the purchase of Declan Rice, Drew and Timber, um, I think we have improved in that space. If Saliba stays fit for the entire season, I definitely think that 31 conceded is is, is doable, but it is, it is, in my opinion, probably going to, in a large part, depend on that, which I know sounds crazy, but that's how good Saliba is. Um, yeah, so for me, I've gone 31, I think... Like I mentioned, if we can keep some of our key players fit, it's definitely doable, and I think that's the key. And you know, it could even potentially be the actual key to us winning the league because if Man City get ninety-two points, it could come down to goal difference. It could very well, and it's not out not out of the realm of possibility. We saw it uh, when Man City won their first title uh, in the first Premier League. You know, it came down to goal difference. So, yeah, uh, for me, defense is going to be key for sure.
0: I will just say this about you, Alex. If we end up with a, 60, a plus 63 gold differential, I will agree with you. We are absolutely going to win the league. Um, I've split the difference here. I've got us giving up uh, 35. Uh, most of us have our gold differentials being in the 50s again. Uh, Wassam and I at 51, Nelly at 55, uh, but Alex at 63. Already we're establishing our identities. Alex is our absolute optimist here. Uh, And I will be the team pessimist, apparently. So uh, date of St. Totteringham's Day. Now, this is obviously a big day for uh, Arsenal fans. Last season it came, even though during, during a game that we, or after a game that we had lost, I don't like celebrating it that way. It felt really hollow. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be better this year just because I think we'll probably end up celebrating it after a win. I sort of looked at the fixtures right around mid to late April, which is, uh, I'll spoil it. That's kind of where most of us are, are sitting on our, our, Revelations for this guest. Uh, so, Alex, when do you have us celebrating Saint Totteringham's Day? By the way, no question that we're not going to do it, right? There's no chance that they finish ahead of us this year. That would be absurd. So,
2: no, absolutely right. not. No okay. Way.
0: So, Alex, what date do you have us celebrating Saint Totteringham's Day? Just for record, last season it was April
2: 21st. Yes, yeah, so I've gone eight days before that. So, April 13th is the day that I've selected. Um, to be honest, I can't remember what game week that was. If I'm being honest, I but, can't
0: either. I just remember we had lost, and I think they had lost as well, and could no longer. It it really it was a really hollow sort of celebration.
2: Yeah, um, but I think yeah, for me April thirteenth, um, lucky number thirteen, for some at least. Um, uh, yeah, they're not going to finish above us. That's that's for sure. Uh, they wait, they've just lost probably their greatest ever goal scorer. Um, and they're in a transition. So, this is, you know what, even with Harry Kane, I did this before Harry Kane. It could even be earlier. It could even be in March, to be fair.
0: Oh, how fun that would be. <laughs> uh, Nelly, really- Nelly, what date do you
3: have this year? I've gone even earlier, 2nd of April. We're playing Luton at home that day. So, I reckon that beating the beating of Luton at the Emirates will secure us against Tottenham. Uh, I made this prediction when it looked like Kane would be going but hadn't gone, right? I'm expecting Tottenham to do worse than last season. I'm expecting Tottenham to sc- maybe just about finish in the top half of the table. I think Tottenham will have at some point in the season, we'll have a, possibly early, uh, possibly not too early, we will have some complete implosion and will get one point from 10 games and be out completely out of it.
0: Oh, I just... It's- you you guys, you're making me feel just <laughs> such feelings because I want all of these things to happen so badly. Uh, so, again, I hope all of you are absolutely
1: right. Uh, Wasam, what do you have? I'd actually like to change mine to a little bit earlier, just one day. <laughs> See, I, had it, I had it April 7th, but now it's April 6th. We actually play, play Brighton that day. So if we win against Brighton and Tottenham plays Forest that week, and if they lose to Forest, I guess, but if we win against Brighton uh second time, uh yeah, then that'd that'd be a great win. That'd be that'd be hilarious, honestly.
0: See, so you're just trying to get in on the feel-good train, and I like it. <laughs> uh again, I'm going to be the downer of the group. I've got to say April 27th. Um, here's what I think. I I don't think that Tottenham get worse with Harry Kane leaving. Um, I don't know that they get substantially better. Uh, but uh, Bill Simmons, who's a sports writer here in the U S that some of you might be familiar with uh, presented this idea called the Ewing theory. Uh, It was when the New York Knicks in basketball got rid of Patrick Ewing, who was their best player and actually got better because it allowed, you know, some of their other players to sort of blossom and to, to fill in some of those roles. I think we're going to see a little bit of that here. I think that, that Tottenham will be a little more diverse offensively. I think that will this will allow players like son and Kuliszewski to sort of shine still have to fix their striker problem. Cause Rich Charleston is kind of a joke, but he's mm-hmm. a fantastic joke and I keep laughing at it no matter how many times I see it. And his commitment to being a striker that doesn't score goals is incredible. Like I don't, I don't, don't know how he keeps it's getting away might, with it, it's, it's, uh, but I do. <laughs> you
3: know,
0: we talk about Eddie and ketty You know, being a striker that only scores goals, like the, the problem that Tottenham would absolutely love to have right now, since they have a striker who can't do either of those things, uh, can't do build up, can't score goals. You know, it's fantastic. I just, I, I, I get so much joy out of watching them be terrible right now. It's just.
3: <laughs> in, in a way, should, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but 27th April is the day Arsenal play Tottenham. Is it really? I, I, I had it. I was day? looking at the fixtures. That,
0: okay, first of, of all, top of my head, that, so- that would be fantastic. Um, I ha- I may have been looking at, <laughs> at the wrong fixtures, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. To beat them to to bring about Saint Tottenham's Day would be well, would just be icing on the cake, right?
1: no yeah absolutely was that the 27th
0: um, I'll have to look it up again uh, oh,
1: I got it right here yeah, the 27th of April
0: is that right is that, yeah
1: 27th of April Darby
0: day alright even better I'm going to look fantastic when this happens
1: <laughs> uh, is that home or is that away I don't know uh, oh, I, if it was I, if it was home that'd be great but either way that'd be wonderful i don't know i'm kind of
0: a I, i'm kind of a lover of the villain role let's do it at their place
1: Yeah, just go on to the house and yeah that'd be great just smash up the thing it's away it's
3: at why it's at the tottenham hotspur stadium 27th April.
1: all right we are almost uh, an
0: hour and a half in let's let's try and speed round uh some of the rest of these uh real job. quickly uh you can you can give your prediction and no more than one sentence Uh, Alex, how far will we go in the League Cup third round last year?
2: I think we'll get eliminated sooner, second round.
0: Uh, Nelly, what do you got? Fourth round. I got second. You got second, and I've got quarterfinal. I think we're going to do really well in the Cups this year. I think this is where we get to flex a little bit of the depth that we have. Uh, FA Cup, a a competition that we obviously take more seriously than the League Cup. I've got us getting to the semifinal. I think that we'll be in, in really good shape, but I think that ultimately we'll end up prioritizing maybe other competitions at that point. Uh, Wassam, what do you got?
1: I got them going to the final. Hopefully, winning. I was going to say if you
0: if you're just calling us going to the final and then losing, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> I don't even I don't even want that to happen. <laughs> Nelly, I think we win this one. Nelly, what do you got for FA Cup?
3: Champions. I uh, love it. A, a double. Yeah, you gotta love. I it. mean, we uh, we're the most successful team in the co- history of the competition, so we've got to back ourselves to win it. Right, that's the Arsene Wenger Cup.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alex, what do you have for the FA Cup?
2: So I've actually gone quarterfinals because I think we'll probably prioritise the Champions League, and I reckon we'll try and go far into like at least the semis into the Champions League.
0: Uh, that is what is known in the business as an absolute excellent segue because the next question had to do with the Champions League. And Alex, you've got us in the semifinals of the Champions League. I love that. Uh, Nelly, what do you have for the Champions League? Quarterfinals. I'm not quite as optimistic about that one. And Sam, where are you at?
1: I'm at semifinals as well with Alex.
0: And I am with Nelly on this one. I've got quarterfinals. I think that... And that would obviously represent such a huge jump for us, just from from not being in it for the last six years to getting you know, finally winning one of those round of sixteen games that we've had trouble with in the in the latter Arsene Wenger years. Uh, I think that's going to be. And again, we've talked about some of the things, some of the growing issues that that Arteta has. We haven't done particularly well in European competitions under Arteta, so I think this is going to represent a significant step forward uh biggest win of the season and when i say biggest i mean the one that's just gonna really gonna drive the fan base the one that's gonna be the most exciting um you know just the one that we look back on and we go like that's the one that was such a huge win that's the one that my favorite win of the season um so i've got city at home i think that i think we're gonna get over the hump there a little bit um and certainly the home game is the way to do that city city and liverpool are kind of the only wins that you know, are, are at that tier one kind of, level. I mean, I know we all love beating United, uh, but we've been doing it. We've done it the last couple of years. So it's okay. You know, it's, it's not to me, it's not as exciting. I mean, it's still fantastic and one of the great wins of the season, but I think city is, I mean, city's the white whale, right? City's the one we still have to, uh, still have to do. So with sam what do you have as our biggest win of the season?
1: I have city away just for those exact points. <laughs> if you're if right. City away, oh my God, we're flying. We're if fine.
0: if you're right,
3: then
1: it's We're bigger than mine. Now. I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, Nelly, what do you <laughs> have as our biggest win of the
3: season? I've gone the same as you, Sean. I've gone City at home. I I hope Wissam is right. Oh, I do too. <laughs> and Alex, what, what do you got?
2: Oh yeah, the exact same as Nelly and yourself. Uh, Man City at home. Uh, yeah, I, and once again, I hope you're I hope you're right, Wissam, because if we are, then I'm definitely getting my 92 points. That's for damn sure.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think we I you know what? We all hope that we're wrong except with Sam. We all hope that he's right on this one. Uh and worst defeat of the season. What I what I mean by that is kind of the the most disappoint maybe the one you didn't see coming, the most disappointing one, the one that we're gonna look back on and if we lose the title we're like it's there. Those are the points we should have gotten that we didn't get. So, uh Alex, what do you have for that one?
2: Yeah, look, I'm gonna go United away. Uh we just you know for the past few seasons now, we've had a bit of a voodoo there. I think we won during we won at Uni- away at Old Trafford uh, 1-0 in, during the COVID times when there was no one in the, in the stands. But ever since then, we've really struggled.
0: Okay, Nelly, what do you have for this one?
3: I've gone for Newcastle away. I don't think Arsenal are going to lose a lot of games this season. But Newcastle are obviously a team on the app.
0: Absolutely. And they completely dismantled an Aston Villa team that was sort of everybody's darlings and potential European top four teams and, and Newcastle just demolished them a lot of fun to watch, but it did make me a little scared. I'll have to admit
1: uh, with Sam, what do you have for worst or most disappointing loss of the season? Uh, I did as like, as a sacrifice. If I get city away, I'm willing to lose at home to Villa. <laughs> <laughs> You're out here making bargains
0: with the Bargains. I'll take bar- that deal. Oh, I think I would too, actually. That would yeah, absolutely. That would in no way take away from the a city away win. Um I've actually gone here with a place that has also had a little bit of voodoo, poor bad mojo for us. Uh, I've gone Everton away again. Um it's just a place that we've that we've struggled. In the past several seasons uh it comes right in between uh united and tottenham it's a classic sort of the you know the classic sort of banana skin game as as they say uh, i think that one might be a little bit tricky in between uh two substantially larger games uh one that we could trip up on um let's just run through our individual predictions really quickly um a top Premier League goal scorer and how many? So last year, Odegaard Martinelli with 15. Alex, what do you have for this season?
2: I'm going to back Saka this season. I'm going to say 17 goals.
0: That works for me. He's already got one on the board.
3: Uh, Nelly, who do you have? Exactly. It's my controversial one. I've gone for Nketiah with 19. Nice.
0: Two things, if you're right about this. Number one, we're winning the league. Number 2 Gabby Jesus got sucked into a black hole of some sort.
3: <laughs> maybe a black hole of injury. Maybe he just never gets we'll maybe he just never gets fit. We'll see. I basically, I remember many years ago, more than 10 years ago now, United won the league and Burpatov was their best scorer and he wasn't even a regular starter. They were starting Rooney over him, but he's still their top scorer. So I'm hoping we'll have a similar success with a similar weird stat.
0: Well, you know, in off the bench, getting thirty minutes instead of twenty or twenty instead of ten. Maybe you're on to something. Uh Wasam, what do you have?
1: I have Saka with twenty two. I think he's gonna that's gonna be his breakout. Well, I mean he already had a breakout season, but I think he's gonna be absolutely just dominating the league. Yeah, this I think season. Twenty two
0: goals would be outrageous from from Bakaya Saka. Mm-hmm again i hope i hope all of you are right um i've got gabby jesus on 21 i just think he does so much for us uh, if he gets healthy even somewhat early in the season uh, i th- think he's going to be outstanding uh premier league top in assists and how many saka last year with 11 was our top assist maker uh i've got saka again this year on 13 i think that's i think that uh, I th- personally—that's also why I think maybe he scores a f- uh, few fewer goals. Uh, I think he finds Havertz at the back post, just you know, maybe half a dozen times this season, and and just inflates his uh, inflates his assist record that way. Uh, Wasam, what do you
1: have? I have Odegaard, um, pretty much the same reason. I know I was calling him Hazard this entire time, but yeah, Havertz at the back post—that's great. And also, you know, he's tricky. Like every time he touches the ball, he knows where to go with it. I think he's going to do well this season. I think you're just manifesting
0: Kai Havertz playing as well as Eden Hazard when he was at Chelsea and I'm I like it. <laughs> I like what you're doing.
3: <laughs> exactly. I really like what you're going for there. Uh Nelly, what do you <laughs> the have? The player that Chelsea sold to Real Madrid definitely isn't the same Eden Hazard that was playing for him, so he's got to be somewhere. All <laughs> right, somewhere, we'll a, somewhere <laughs> in between. <laughs> <laughs> we can, uh, he can come and play for us. Um, I've gone for top assists. I've gone Saka with 12, one more than last year. It might be Odegaard with a similar number, but I've gone Saka. Outstanding. And Alex?
2: Yeah, I agree with the sum. I've gone 14 uh, for Odegaard. I think Odegaard will get... Over 25 goals and assists this season as well.
0: Again, that that would be such a fantastic season. Uh, so goals plus assists. Who's our, who's our top goals plus assists guy? Last year, it was Saka with 25. Alex, what do you have?
2: Yeah, I've gone Saka again this season, but this time for 30. I think he might crack 30.
0: What an outstanding season that would be. Nelly, what do you have on this one? I've gone
3: Odegaard, 25.
1: was i've gone a uh, 31
0: reasonable and i've got jesus with 30 i think most of those come from goals but he does have a history of providing uh some assists for us i think he, he comes back and does that uh comeback player slash most improved player i'll i'll take your either one of those uh i've got emil smith rowe in this one there's too much talent there. I think that if he's healthy, he comes back and and he has an outstanding season. Sometimes off the bench, we already know he can impact this team off the bench. He's done it, you know, a couple of years ago before before the injury sort of robbed him of his last season. I think he comes back this year and and is and has what we ultimately think of as as really his the beginning of his comeback. Uh, Wassam,
1: I had ESR as well, but I did change it. To Nelson, I think I think he's going to do extremely well this season if he's allowed to. Um, I really want him to play in soccer's role if he can try it. But uh, yeah, I think he'll do great this season. Okay, Nelly, what do you have?
3: Uh, I've gone for Ethan Ranieri uh, for most improved because he's only played one game before. I think we might see him play ten Premier League games for us this season, and therefore be our most improved player.
0: That would be an incredible development, I think. Uh, Alex, what do you have?
2: Yeah, I've gone uh, for ESR as well, same as you, Sean. I think basically same things as you said. Um, we, we already know what he's capable of. We saw a couple seasons ago when he got 11 goals and assists, uh, contributions. So I think his comeback, and I think he could be, you know, I think he'll be a real important player in the squad for us. Especially in other competitions, when I think what will happen is you'll then probably get more game time in the Premier League um, as the season progresses.
0: All right, and we'll just go ahead and stick with you, Alex. Who's your biggest disappointment of the year?
2: Yeah, I'm, I've gone Fabio Vieira. I'm just i'm I'm still not sure uh, if he's going to light it up yet. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but yeah, for me, uh, Vieira at, at this point.
0: Well, he certainly has a lot to prove, so there's a lot there to be disappointed about if he
3: doesn't in, is not able to do that. Uh, Nelly, who do you have for your biggest disappointment this season? Oh, never nice to make a ne- negative prediction, but I've gone for Gabrielle, centre back. Uh, I made these predictions before the weekend game, but I don't think he's going to play as much this season with Timber coming in. I think he'll play less. I also felt he last season he made a few mistakes. He generally played well, but he had a mistake in him, and I think he'll be playing a bit less.
0: That's that. You know what? That would be a big disappointment if if he ends up being that that player. So I I don't know that I agree with you, but I agree with the spirit of that pick.
1: With uh, Sam, who do you have as our biggest disappointment of the year? Uh, this is a disappointment for me if I see it. Uh, if Holding goes in the game, I'll be extremely disappointed because we shouldn't be using him. So, so if I see him at the subline, I'll be like, oh, this is awful. Like, we have no other players.
0: Yeah, I think the season's gone pretty poorly if Rob Holding gets a lot of playing time. So. Yes,
1: that's exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we all loved seeing him come on and flash the five three two, but... Um, I've got uh, Reese Nelson here Uh, missing preseason another injury I'm just I just don't trust him physically to hold up and I feel like there's another chance here coming in when he's healthy he's going to be behind does is he able to catch up in time I just have a sneaking suspicion that this becomes kind of a rough season for him and the last question on our predictions has has to do with the goaltender battle. Uh, October 7th, City at home. Who's the starting goalkeeper if both... And now we haven't actually announced David Raya, but we're going to assume this one goes through. Uh, who's the starting goaltender if both Raya and Ramsdale are healthy? I'll start with you with some,
1: It's going to be Raya. I, be- I believe it's going to be Raya. He has better passing and better um, uh, blocking. And catching so yeah uh nelly who do you have
3: i've also gone with raya i think it's pretty clear raya will be um signing otherwise he wouldn't have let turner go so i I, so i'm definitely going for raya Uh, same reasons for sam said
0: our announcement videos are so anticlimactic anymore because they come so far after everyone already knows the signing is happening it's just it's gotten a little bit (laughs) weird like how have we not
3: how have we not announced this? <laughs> I must I admit, I, I didn't realize Turner him. was. A, sorry, I didn't realize Turner had left until I saw him starting lineup for Forest. I had missed that one. Did you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think he had the wrong kid on? <laughs> like, what is he doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alex, who you got?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've got. I've gone for Rio as well, based the same reasons with Simonelli. You know, look, I just think his passing ability. Is uh, all-around probably game is um, just better. And I think as the season progresses, yeah, he's going to be uh, number one.
0: All right, I've gone for the pure contrarian take. I have absolutely no evidence to base this on. If I'm going with my head, it's probably Raya, but I've gone ahead and chosen Ramsdale. I think the competition will bring out the best in him and we'll see uh, an improvement out of him such that I think he might, he might actually hold Raya off. I I don't actually believe that, but maybe by October it hasn't happened yet. Uh, So those are our season predictions. We're going to hold on to these. I've got these; they're they're now all saved in the cloud. Nelly, I wrote yours down as you were giving them to us, so you can't hide from them. Uh, But again, oh no! As always, I hope that you all are right and that I'm wrong because all three of you are a little more optimistic uh, than I was. So that's where that's a really good place for us to end it. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through this inaugural episode. We're going to be back throughout the season, giving you our Arsenal takes, our Arsenal analysis. Uh, please go in, give us a review. Uh, you know, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, expect us to to establish a presence on YouTube. Uh, although I can't even get these these guys to turn their cameras on for uh, the recording session, <laughs> the audio only recording session. So I don't know. It may just be me and a bunch of black squares on YouTube. I'm sure that'll work out. Oh, there's, there's Nelly, but again, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, Like, and subscribe, give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. And we will see you next time on the Blackstock triangle and Arsenal pod. And guys, make sure you stick around for just a minute.
1: Okay. Take care. I'm sticking